Welcome to episode three of Beery Interesting, the off-the-cuff, unscripted stream of consciousness discussion of beer and beer styles. This week we're going to talk about Czech premium pale lager, known more commonly as Bohemian Pilsner or Czech Pilsner. For anyone crazy enough to have a BJCP style guide in front of them, it's 3B in the BJCP style guide. One of my favourite styles of beer and arguably one of the most important and historical styles of beer from the last few hundred years. So, without further ado, let's open a Czech Pilsner and have a pour. Cheers. Hmm, delightful. I'm drinking Budweiser Budvar. Owned by the Czech Republic, state-owned brewery um, with a really interesting history. Uh, not to be confused with the American rip-off Budweiser. Very different beer. So, Czech... Pale Lager, Premium Pale Lager, Czech Pilsner. Um, beer has been brewed in in Czech since the 13th century, um, but of course, as pretty much all beer was at that time, it was top-fermented beer, meaning it was ale of some description, using ale yeast, Saccharomyces cerevisiae. And uh, when Pilsner was born in the early-mid 19th century, the um, the people of the town of Pilsen, where the beer gets its name from, were not happy with the quality of the beer, so much so that they were kind of rioting and throwing full barrels of this subpar beer down the drain and kind of publicly uh, shaming the, the quality of the product. So... Um, a brewery was started in German, um, Burger Brauerei Pilsen. My Czech pronunciation isn't great, so I'm going to pronounce that one in German for you instead. And uh, it means the, the citizens' brewery, the people's brewery. Um, so it was a brewery for the people to get better quality beer, and they enlisted the help of a, a German brewer, a Bavarian brewer from the south of Germany, called Joseph Grohl. Um, and he's credited with brewing the first Pilsner. Uh, he took light malts brewed with English malting technology and local Czech hops, specific, specifically uh, Saz hops from, from Zatek, around the corner from Pilsen just, very, very near. And he took German lager yeast, 
from his home of Bavaria and put these three sort of very exciting and innovative ingredients together with um, arguably the most important ingredient of all, the, the local Czech water, uh, which we'll talk a little bit about shortly. And these four put together created this sensation, this really sensational, groundbreaking and delicious pale lager, arguably the first pale lager ever brewed. The years 1841 to 1843 were very important for the development of several lager styles. In 1841, we kind of simultaneously have Anton Dreyer producing the first Vienna lager in Austria, as well as um, Gabriel Sedelmeier, the younger, producing the first Merzenbier in Spaten in Munich. Um, and just one year later, then, we have the birth of Pilsner in, in Pilsen in Czech. So a really kind of exciting, groundbreaking time of, of real uh, sort of growth and real um, innovation and a sort of um, exponential step up in the world of, of lager beer um, around the start of the 1840s. So um, this pale malt that I mentioned was, was kind of an English malt, um, very interesting. Um, the, the malt now is known as Pilsner malt. It's associated with a specific style of beer. It's, it's one of the palest malts that can be produced to create these very pale sort of 3 to 5 SRM uh, beers, straw-coloured. And uh, this malting technology was brand new, and it was, it was taken from England um, by European brewers who went to learn about English brewing, people like Dreyer and, and Seidelmeier who were actually friends and, and travelled together to London um, and tried to find out how the, the big London brewers like Barclay Perkins were making their pale ales and IPAs so light because um, they were using white malt back then, similar to extra pale ale malt uh, currently in modern times. And um, uh, Anton Dreyer actually had to get a job at Barclay Perkins so that he could learn um, their secrets, sort of uh, an industrial espionage type deal, which is very exciting, very fun. And um, they kind of figured out this indirect coke kilning method that the Brits were using to make their pale malts and took it back and used it to create their sort of light amber, um, deep gold lagers, um, Vienna and, and Merzen, respectively. And um, the malts got paler, and in 1842, this very pale uh, malt was used to make the first Pilsner in, in the town of Pilsen. Uh, the local hops, Sazer hops from, from Jatek originally, and known as Jatek hops um, locally in Czech, have a very distinct um, noble hop aroma to them. Think a very light kind of peppery spice. Uh, think sort of leafy green herbs um, none of the kind of woodsy rosemary or thyme that you might get in uh, Golding or, or British uh, Challenger or Brewer's Gold um, much more akin to German noble hops with that sort of potentially mint leaf, menthol pepperminty um, again kind of treading that line between hop, uh, herby and lightly spicy and um, a real kind of perfumey elegance to them. Lovely hops as. Um, the other ingredient then 
which I mentioned before, um, was lager yeast, um, which Grohl actually got from the Spaten Brewery, and Dreyer got yeast from the Spaten Brewery to make the first Vienna lager, and um, it was it was a real time of of sharing this young yeast strain around. I mean, only since the end of the 18th century did we really understand yeast and, and understand that it was a living organism and a, a fungus and how it was working and the differences between top and bottom fermenting beers. So a fairly recent development. Um, lager had been brewed in Germany for hundreds of years in cold cellars and caves, um, but the kind of understanding of the mechanism of, of fermentation was fairly recent to this um, first brewing of Pilsner. Um, and the fourth ingredient, which I said was the most important, is the, the Czech water. The, um, the Czech ground water um, is fairly unique in the world. There's very few places which have a, a similar profile of water chemistry to Czech water. Um, it's kind of, uh, we kind of refer to it as empty water in the beer world because um, water is made up of minerals and salts and various dissolved solids and Czech water is very low in almost all of them. Allow me to take a sip. Sorry, not a sip, a gulp. It's impossible to sip Pilsner. Pilsner must be gulped in ostentatious volume, otherwise you're barely drinking it at all. Um, so where was I? Yes, empty Czech water. Very, very soft, um, meaning it, it it's low in kind of total alkalinity, it's low in calcium carbonate and bicarbonate which gives alkalinity to water um, it is low in sulfate which is the kind of main component of water which um, increases the perception of hot bitterness it, it kind of catalyzes the isomerization of the bitter alpha acids in hops um, and gives an overall perception of kind of dryness and full attenuation and, and crisp bitterness to beers like German Pilsner, for example, which are brewed in higher sulfate uh, water areas. So low in sulfates, which means that the Saz hops can be used in greater quantity without giving an overly bitter uh, impression in the finished beer. This is really interesting because oftentimes people are, are thinking about or trying to grasp the difference between a, a Czech Pils and a German Pils. And it largely comes down to the water profile and how all of the other ingredients, all of the other three ingredients, uh, kind of interact with the, the liquor, the water that's being brewed with initially. Um, so people say malt is the soul of the beer or the backbone of the beer, but I would argue that water, more appropriately, is the soul of the beer around which everything else um, is, is given its... Uh, its context. Uh, also low in chloride, so um, the kind of sulfate chloride balance which usually um, is used by brewers to influence the malt and hop balance in the finished beer is um, kind of one-to-one -one ratio in Czech water and very low, so neither mineral um, sulfate or chloride are having a, a massive impact on the, the increased perception of malt or hop. Um, so we get a very balanced lager. The, the malt and hops kind of speak for themselves and aren't attenuated or turned down or turned up or um, kind of hyped by any specific mineral in the water. 
Um, so this really is the defining character for me of a Czech Pilsner. What does that mean in terms of um, the the flavour profile? How does the how does the water impact the finished beer, and how does it define what a Czech Pils is? If we compare to a German Pils, um, which was inspired by Czech Pilsners travelling north and just brewed locally with, with German hops, German malt and German water. Um, the German Pils, as legendary beer writer Michael Jackson said, is an austere Pilsner. Um, it has a kind of hard-edged um, flavour profile. It's sort of angular and a bit spiky and compared to a Czech Pilsner, it has more of a perception of dryness, more bitterness. It's a bit thinner. It doesn't quite have the body as the sulfate and the calcium in the water kind of dries out the beer and makes it very uh, linear and pointed. Um, if I could get a bit metaphorical for a moment, in my head and when I taste these beers, German Pilsner to me is very um, sort of monolithic if you think of the the sort of um the 2001 space odyssey uh Stan stanley kubrick film with the sort of great black specter the great monolith it sort of reminds me of german pilsner hard-edged and resolute and uh, very crisply defined um with a sort of straight arrow of development of flavor and expression of ingredients the Czech Pils, on the other hand, is a sort of round spherical ball with fluffy edges um, and sort of interesting knobbly bits in the middle. It's got a sort of a richness, a body, a, a malt that carries through that sort of um, very um, richly flavoured um, Moravian or Bohemian uh, floor malt, which is malted in the traditional way. Um, on the floor and raked by hand as opposed to mass-produced um, Pilsner malts, which are kind of um, probably better modified in terms of malting and um, have more potential um, for conversion of starches um, and are lower in protein and lower in beta-glucans and some of those things which are considered uh, undesirable by a lot of modern brewers and especially large um, industrial brewers. Um, but the 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 advantage of this floor malted, traditionally malted um, Moravian Pilsner malt is um, a subtlety and complexity of flavour which can't really be recreated um, by any clever brewing practices. You have to use this malt to get that flavour. So we have this sort of rounded full body. We've got this... Um, sort of very specific malt character coming through um, which you don't really get in German Pilses um, you have this very very unique Saz hop character um, which is in the same sort of family as the German noble malts, your Tettnanger and Hellertar, Mittelfruh and your Spalt and that kind of thing but it really speaks for itself um, with this sort of peppery bite that um, none of the German malts in my sorry, none of the German hops in my um, experience really ever managed to, to recreate um, whereas those to me lean more into kind of menthol and perfume and floral um, nuances the Saz for me really retains a, a very specific sort of subtle spice 
which um, is, is unique to Czech lagers. It's probably worth saying at this stage that while we refer to this family of beers as Czech Pilsners internationally, in the Czech Republic, there is only one Pilsner, and that's Pilsner Arkel, the original 1842 Joseph Grohl brew from the town of Pilsen. All other beers in this category sort of fall into the maybe Svetli Lezak uh, category of light lagers or um, Svetli uh, Specialny Pivo, the sort of special lagers, um, and often are just referred to based on their original gravity in degrees Plato. So often a Czech Lezak or lager beer will be referred to as a, a 12 degree beer, or if it's a stronger sort of export or special occasion lager, a 14 degree beer. And this really just refers to the starting gravity of the wort that the brewer creates. If it's a 12 degree beer, it's 12 degrees Plato of dissolved sugars, which is sort of 1.048, 1048 in specific gravity in English brewing um, nomenclature. Um, so it, it's it's very similar to the way a lot of Belgian beers will be classified um, based on their sort of Belgian gravity points um, of the original work. One other um, sort of fairly interesting and, and relevant point, especially in terms of comparison of a, a Czech or a Bohemian Pilsner as opposed to a German Pils, would be the uh, fermentation character. German Pilsners tend to be a very, very clean, almost uh, sort of surgically clean in their fermentation, uh, potentially only coloured by uh, a slightly uh, sulphurous character, um, especially in, in Keller Pils or, or young Pilsners, which have seen less lagering time, um, which is a f sort of a fairly new thing. Uh, Keller beers are usually Hellas lagers, but we're seeing more and more uh, Keller beers, which are a Pils now um, than ever before, especially in craft brewing. So with less conditioning time, we sometimes see a little sulfur from the lager yeast um, popping its head through. Um, by comparison, the Czech lagers, which traditionally and historically are uh, fermented in wood, in barrels, often open fermentations, um, which can often encourage ester production, um, as we know from, from British ale brewing traditions, the use of things like the Yorkshire Square um, to ferment bitters, etc. Um, so we, we potentially are seeing a slight ester creeping through, maybe notes of, of red apple or pear or um, sort of palm fruit, uh, which would be very uncharacteristic in a, in a German pills. Equally, um, it's not inappropriate to have very low levels of diacetyl um, appear in a, in a Czech Pilsner. Um, it's sort of a signature of this style and especially prevalent in Pilsner Arkel as opposed to a lot of other Czech lagers. Um, you'll have this sort of fairly subtle um, butteriness uh, from diacetyl from the fermentation, which um, some people view as a flaw or a fault and in most other beers it would be, except in, a lot, in traditional English ales. Um, but in this instance, um, some of those sort of fermentation byproducts, even a, a light acetaldehyde uh, sort of apple-y character, 
um, can really give give more body and give more um, character into the lager, um, which really sets it apart from German Pilsner. The Pilsner Erkel um, specifically was still fermented in open shallow barrels up until 1993, I think it was. And in 1993, they switched over to slightly more um, modern and slightly more practical uh, conical, uh, cylindroconical fermenters. Um, still quite shallow. It's important with lager fermentations. Um, a lot of um, top-class lager brewers will tell you to avoid um, hydrostatic pressure from an overly tall or overly... Um, uh, sort of stacked up cylindroconical so a lot of modern breweries producing IPAs etc will be using 8 to 1 or 9 to 1 even ratio cylindroconicals um, and those are fairly large scale of course they're going to be maybe 300 to 900 hectolitre cylindroconical fermenters but the, the height, that 8 to 1 height to width ratio means the yeast is under a huge amount of hydrostatic pressure. Not a huge issue for Saccharomyces cerevisiae, but the, the lager yeast Saccharomyces pastorianus um, really doesn't like this, and a lot of the best lager breweries will tell you open fermentation works for this Czech style, and especially um, a, a sort of wide and, and short uh, fermentation vessel to try and keep... Um, the hydrostatic pressure low as well as avoiding any any head pressure in the fermenter by using an open fermentation or for something like a spunding valve can work quite well from from the german side of things so that really um that really creates a very unique uh, flavor profile in the czech pilsner that sort of interesting uh, characterful yeast profile which you don't really get in many other lager beer styles in terms of food pairing then, um, a mistake I think would be to pair a Czech Pilsner with foods that are too delicate. Although this beer certainly has nuance and though it is a lager beer, um, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's devoid of, of character or fullness. It has got body, it's got malt, it's got spicy hops, it's got a more characterful lager fermentation profile than most other lager beers. Um, and for that reason, I think you should go with slightly bolder food pairings than you would otherwise expect. Um, spicy foods can work really well with this beer. The hot bitterness and carbonation will kind of accentuate the perception of, of spice and heat. And the subtle pepperiness of the Saz hops um, can do beautiful things with sort of dry spice rubs, blackened Cajun seasonings on, on chicken dishes, barbecued meats. Um, something like Nashville hot chicken um, is incredible with a, a Czech pills and the, the lower bitterness compared to a German pills means that it, it won't blow your face off the way Nashville hot chicken with a Flensburger or a Bitburger or a Kronbacher might um, another great idea with Czech pills would be chowders or potato soups those kind of hearty earthy um, dishes which will really resonate with the kind of earthy and savoury and spicy um, hop aromas that are coming through. The butteriness and, and body of the beer, while not excessive, it's not a butter bomb, it's not deliberately heavy on diacetyl, but that sort of slight character of the yeast coming through and giving perception of body means it can stand up really well to slightly heartier dishes. 
um, think gamey meats, think venison, think um, kind of guinea fowl and those sort of um, uh, sort of game birds. Um, they'll have a really interesting interaction with a, a Czech pilsner. Um, it also works really, really beautifully with cheese, kind of soft and young goat's cheeses, um, which have a very slight kind of funk creeping in, but are still have that sort of subtle subtlety of a young goat's cheese will go beautifully with a Czech Pilsner as well as a well-aged white cheddar um, even something like a red Leicester um, but I do think aged cheddars with that sort of slightly chalkiness and some salt crystal coming through and a little bit of that oiliness and higher acidity um, will definitely um, give a, a better match of intensity with a, a Czech Pilsner so um, that's got me salivating already. This part of the podcast always does. <laughs> if anyone has any feedback, comments, uh, or requests for what the next beer styles I talk about are, please do leave a review of the podcast. Please do fire an email to beerinteresting at gmail.com with any thoughts you have. Be glad to hear from you. And if you've enjoyed this meander through... Um, bohemian pilsner then uh, please do share the podcast with your friends in beer and please do um, annoy your non-beer friends with it as well and um, maybe they'd like to stick this on before they go to bed and they'll be off uh, like like a like a log <laughs> um, as I ramble on about yeast strains thanks for listening and I'll see you next time. This has been Beery Interesting. It's